Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, uh, we're starting a new series today, and uh, it's called uh, Identity. And I've been waiting to do this for a while. But before I do that, this past week, um, you know, we've been getting rain and stuff as the season is changing. And uh, this last week, things always seem to go bad whenever you don't want them to go bad, right? It's like you can, you can never anticipate these things. So it was about 9 o'clock on Monday night. It was Labor Day night. And I already labored in my yard that day. And, uh, <clears throat> and that night, we got the thunderstorm come through. I don't know how, many, how much water had, had came down. But water came, and I went downstairs just for curiosity in the basement, and I saw that my daughter's room in the basement had flooded. And I'm like, really? Nine o'clock at night, I was just sitting down to watch some TV. So I had to call my brother-in-law, hey, man, can I borrow your shampooer so I can suck some water up? So I did that, and uh, it was supposed to be raining the next day. It's happened before one other time. Got that taken care of, so the next day I'm thinking about it, and then you know that rain's on the way. When you hear raining, you know that your you know, room's getting flooded. You're like, come on, I don't want to deal with that again. So I was like, i got to get home, and i got to see what's happening with my gutters. And first, and just look, why is it gathering there? I get up, my gutters are full of water. What is going on? And I see that they're sagging a little bit, so I'm pushing on the gutter to see if I can get it to go down. Nothing. And then I'm touching inside. I'm like, it's clean. There's not, I mean, it's, there's no debris in there. That's ridiculous. So I, I look down. At the spout at the bottom, it had a little bit of debris in it. I opened that up, nothing. I get up, look where the spout is connected to the gutter, and there's an old tennis ball <laughs> stuck down in the hole that caused the flooding of, you know, everything coming over, not filling through the gutter, flooding the basement. Isn't it funny how something so simple and so small can cause such trouble? A tennis ball. It was a green tennis ball because it was, had fungus all over it. <laughs> Something so small. Who knows how long it was there? I don't know. This is the second time. Something, and all I had to do, I'm thinking, do I got to get new gutters? Do I got, you know, who I got to call? Do I got to dig a trench here? What's going on? Eh, just pull the tennis ball out. Something so simple. Today we're starting a series called Identity because it seems such... <laughs> like a simple thing, but really knowing who you are really makes the difference. God wants you to know who you are. And, you know, too many people live their lives not knowing who they truly are, even Christians, unfortunately. And we want to settle that through this series and help you become who God has called you to be. Did you ever hear the book of, there's a book, I don't know if it was necessarily by Dr. Seuss, but it was, uh, his name was P.D. Eastman. And he wrote a book, a children's book back in the day called, Are You My Mother? Anybody remember that, like me? Are you my mother? This little bird, you know? The storyline goes like this. There's a little bird. He's in the nest. You know, he's in an egg in the nest. And mother is sitting on top of the egg. And she hears the pecking of the egg and, and squirming around. So she's like, oh, my baby's coming. I need to go get some food. So when it comes, I can give him food. So she flies off. While she flies away, the bird comes out. Bam. Where's my mama? You know, all by himself in the nest. He jumps down, and he's confused. He don't know who his mom is. And he's walking around, and he, the story says he goes to a cat, and he says, are you my mama? And the cat says, I'm a cat. I ain't your mom. And he goes on to, there's like a, 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 a hen and a dog and a cow. And then it, it get, the thing is so confused. All these other ones are saying, hey, I'm a dog or I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a cow. I'm not your mom. 
it gets confused and it goes and sees this boat, you know, in the water. It's like, are you my mama? And then it goes to like a, a quarry and there's this uh, backhoe in there, you know, excavating machine is digging and it's like, it's called in the book, called a splurt or a snort. It's called a snort. And it's just like, you know, it's a book, children's book. Work with me. And, uh, <laughs> and it's calling, are you my mother? And it was confused, and it snorted, and it got scared, and it left. Too many people are confused about who they are, and we want to settle that. You know, uh, there's many roles that we play in life, and if, if you look at the word role uh, in, in the dictionary, a role is defined like this. I'm talking, you know, not like a rule, like, you know, obey the rule, but a role that we play. It's a part or a character played by an actor or an actress. A proper or customary function. Some of the synonyms for role are this, a position, a responsibility, and a duty. We all have roles that we play in life. And the truth is that many of us have many roles in life. Did you ever hear the, or see the movie called Are We Home Yet? It has Ice Cube in it. Anybody know Ice Cube? He was a rapper back in the day. But then he went into the movies and stuff. But anyhow, it's a kid's movie. It's fun. They buy this home. It's like a hole, and they've got to fix it up, and everything just going wrong. And, the, you know, the kid's like, when are we going to feel like we're home? Everything keeps breaking. It's a small community, and this guy pulls up, and, he, you know, he, he's the one that everything that's going wrong, you know, the water's not working. He comes up, you know, as the plumber. He's got the hat on as a plumber, and the guy, they find out they got termites because when they open up the pipes, there's termites. He's like, oh, I need to call a termite inspector. He changes hats. He goes, here I am. And everything goes down to where he has to get to the mayor, and he takes off his hat, and he puts... The guy was the same thing for everything, many roles. The guy's like, what all do you do? He's like, pretty much do it all, brother, in our community. But we all have many roles that we play. I want to give you a couple of roles that, that you may have, or multiple ones that you may have, and this is just some. Uh, you have the role of a, a father or a mother, a role of a husband or a wife, a sister or a brother, a son or a daughter, a friend, a neighbor, a student, or teacher, an employee, or employer, or co-worker. There's many roles that we play in life. I'm sure you're thinking about maybe how many roles you got right now that you're going through. What if I told you that you could be better at every role that you have right now, every role that you're playing in your life, by concentrating on only one role. Every single role that you have in life, you could be better at that by concentrating on only one role that you play. The fact is that that role is the only one that can define who you truly are. It's also the very first role that you had when God brought you into this earth and it'll be the final role that you'll be accountable for when you stand before him on judgment. This is a role of a son or daughter of God. You're a son or daughter of God. Now, when I began to think about this, really I got this back in January of this year. The Lord began to show it to me. And, you know, sometimes God will give you things and it's not meant just for that moment. Then, you know, you've got you to gotta, you gotta search things out. You've got to live things. I remember Toby Mac saying someone asked him why he didn't come out with albums every year. He's like, well, I got to live a little. And he always comes out with really good albums. So he's like, I usually take two or three years off, and then I do an album. I, I got to live a little bit. I want it to be real, right? 
God wants, sometimes there's things that he gives you, and before he would give it to you to give to somebody else, he wants you to live it. He wants it to become real in your own life. Amen? So when I began to think about this, the Lord showed me, um, you know, it wasn't really a parable. It was a story in the Bible. It's in three of the accounts of the Gospels. It's in Matthew and Mark and Luke, and it's known by many by the, uh, you know, as the rich young ruler. It's that time whenever Jesus is out, he's walking along, and I'm going to read here from Mark uh, chapter 10, verse 17 through 23. And it says this, it'll be up on the screen for you. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man, the rich young ruler, came running up to him and knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What can I do to inherit. Some other translations say it this way. What can I do to get? What can I do to have? What can I do to obtain? What do I need to do? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely or lie. You must not cheat anyone. One of the accounts in Matthew or Luke, one of those says, to love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, you must honor your father and your mother. And this young man said, teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. And looking at the man, Jesus felt a genuine love for him. There is still one thing that you don't have, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven, and then come and follow me. The next verse says that at this, the man's face or his countenance fell, and he went away very sad for he had many possessions. Now, usually when this story is taught, you know, it's really talking about what was left out because in the Ten Commandments, one of the things that was, Jesus didn't say was, you know, you should not covet. And most people think that that was the one thing that he lacked. And if you're taking notes, that's the title of this message in this series. It's just one thing, just one thing. Jesus really covered all the Ten Commandments that was related to the horizontal relationships with us, with fellow man. But he left out the most important thing, and this is the one that this rich young ruler lacked, was that he did not have a relationship with God. He was missing sonship. It don't matter what you have here, if we don't have this, this will never satisfy you know, Jesus said, you, you've, you've done all these things, but there is still one thing that you lack. Matthew's account says that the rich young ruler is the one who asked. He said, I've done all these, but what am I still lacking? Another translation says, I've done all these, but what else must I do? There's still something. He knew that there was something that he was missing, that he couldn't do it on his own. Isn't that the funny thing? We can never serve God without God and please God. It takes him. I love the way the, uh, well, let me, let me finish this right here. In one account in Luke, it says, uh, 
or no, it's in Matthew, it says, in this same account, Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, because he says, what do I still lack? Jesus said, if you want to be perfect or complete, and that's the Greek word teleos, which means mature, or it also means if you want to be men, or if you want to be a man, if you want to be complete, if you want to be mature, do this one thing. And Jesus wasn't saying he couldn't have possessions, but Jesus was trying to lead him to the Father, and the possessions didn't, his possessions, he had so, so many things that he was holding on to, he did not leave room for the Father in his life. Amen? So the one thing that the rich young ruler was missing was his sonship. He thought his identity was in what he had. He was rich. He was young. He had, he had possessions. He had future ahead of him as young. He, he ruled. He had authority, or at least he thought he did. You know, it's, it's a great, a great uh, principle is to know that you are not what you do. You're not what you do. That's kind of a thing. It kind of, it you know, gets me sometimes, especially when you speak, think about eating. We were talking about this earlier this week with some friends. You know, someone says, you know, oh, they're a vegan. They said, they're not a vegan. They eat a vegan lifestyle. That doesn't make them that. They're a human being, right? I'm a vegan. <laughs> right? <laughs> or, or we see it by our profession. Our profession is not who we are. That doesn't identify us. But what we do can reflect of how we see ourselves. How we act in life, what we do can reflect on how we see ourselves. This young man desperately needed to know his real father, and Jesus was trying to show it to him. Jesus came to reveal the father. He came to, the son came to show that there could be sonship and daughtership with the father. That's what he came for. He came to be the portal. He came to be the door. He came to be the way. He came to show the truth. Uh, the Message Bible does that last part. Whenever the, the young man knew that he had some things, you know, still he had to do Jesus said it this way in the Message Bible. Jesus looked hard, him hard in the eye and loved him. Man, that is the love of the Father right there. Jesus looked him hard in the eye and loved him. And he said, there is one thing left. Go sell what, whatever you own and give it to the poor, and your, and your wealth will then be heavenly wealth, and come follow me. And the man's face clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear. How many times did you come to Jesus and you were expecting to hear something else than what he gave you? But what he revealed to you was meant to lead you to the Father. Not just to meet a physical or temporary need at the moment. He always is leading to the truth. Everything that he does is for an eternal purpose, not just for the temporal. Even if it seems temporal to us, there's an eternal plan involved. Because that's what God, he's an eternal God. He do, everything he does lasts forever. Amen? When he provides for you as a provider, he may be providing for you temporarily right now in the situation that you're going through, but at the same time, he is eternally providing you with the revelation that he is your provider. And the next time you go through a hard time, you're believing in the eternal truth that God is my provider. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, I think it's kind of funny about the roles that we have in life, especially 
the role of a son or daughter of God. And, and as I go through some of these things here over the next few moments, just bear with me when I say son, I mean daughter too. Okay? In Scripture, it doesn't mean just son, just don't mean son. If you look it out, when it goes down to a lot of things in Scripture, especially in the New Testament about sons, it means mature ones. And it also goes in, it's not just a, a uh, how, how does it go, like a, a pronoun, it's not just male, it's, it's male and female together. It's, it's not gender specific, it's just maturity. So give me grace. Amen. So what I think is funny is that, you know, every other role that we have in life, we choose. But you do not choose to be a son or daughter. I didn't, I didn't choose to be a son or daughter. I was just born into this earth. God made me a son or daughter in the earth. Amen? Now, I can choose to walk in my sonship or your daughtership. I can choose to walk in that position, but I didn't choose that position on my own. Every one of us came into this world as a son or a daughter. Amen? Are you with me? Pastor Larry Stockstill, he said this, and we went to a conference this past uh, uh, spring here, and it just really stuck with me. He said, fathering releases destiny, and unless someone is fathered, they will not fulfill their destiny. The truth is, you and I desperately need to be fathered by the true father. When I talk about fathers of this next, fathers and sons or fathers and children this way, I'm not talking about earthly fathers. I'm talking about the heavenly father. I know that your father, maybe he was a great father. Maybe he was an absent father. Maybe he just wasn't there, period. Maybe he was a horrible father. I don't know, but I am here to talk about the good father who is a perfect father. Father, the Father that Jesus came to display to us so that we could be the true sons and daughters that He called us and destined us to be. So, kind of that saying there, you know, fathering releases destiny, and until someone is fathered, uh, they will not fulfill their destiny. I think it's amazing that in Scripture, both in Jesus' baptism and in Jesus' transfiguration on the mount, known as the Mount of Transfiguration, there's that fathering that's taking place. God the Father shows up, and He begins to father Jesus before everyone that's there on the earth at that time, that's right there in that vicinity talking to them. They say that they heard you know, a voice coming from heaven, or whenever it was on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples that were up there, you know, Peter, James, and John, a cloud you know, came and enveloped them, and they heard the voice come from the cloud. And here's what the voice said. In, in both um, uh, accounts, it's the exact same thing except for one added in the transfiguration. At his baptism, Jesus was coming out of the water, getting baptized because it was the will of the Father. And as he came out of the water, John saw a, a dove coming down, the Spirit of God coming down upon Jesus and remaining like a dove. And a voice called out of heaven and said this, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. This is my dearly loved son that brings me great joy. Now, this helps us out as fathers and even as mothers. But a father gives identity. A father brings identity to the children. He called out to Jesus right there and says, You are my son. You're my son. I identify you as mine. He said, I love you. You're my dearly beloved. I love you. A father gives validity. He's the one who proclaims it. He did it publicly before everyone. You are my son, and I love you. If we're going to be 
that one thing, if we're going to be, want to be a good son or a good daughter, uh, we're going, to have to, we're going to have to be able to, uh, to know that we are his child and that he loves us. The devil wants us to struggle with the fact that God the Father loves us. And God the Father is spending his energy every day to reveal to us that he does. The devil's a liar. God is the truth. We have to pick. Everything that is spoken to you, everything, whether it's through someone else, doesn't mean that they're the devil, but we, we have all, every single person in here right now has been used by the enemy to speak words that harmed other people. There's not one of us that is void of that. I'm sorry. But we can get better at encouraging one another and loving one another. And this is the very thing that Jesus told his disciples. It is because of your demonstration of the Father's love between you all that's what's going to cause the world to see that you are my disciples. I can get it wrong in the giftings of God. I can, I can make a mistake. I can prophesy the wrong thing and I can miss it. But if I do it in love, I still don't miss. You understand? Love is the key. And God was letting Jesus, the son there, know, you're my son. I love you. And then he said, I'm proud of you. I delight in you. A father gives affirmation. Father affirms. We need to hear that we're doing okay. Anybody, can you go through life and not hear you're doing okay? We need to hear that we're doing okay. We want to know that we please the father. Amen. So on the very same account, not the baptism, but going into the transfiguration, the very same thing the father spoke through the cloud to the disciples right there. He said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And he added one thing. Listen to him. Jesus is our perfect example of how to be a good son or daughter of God. He's our perfect example. This is my beloved son. He's my son. I love him. I'm pleased with him. I delight in him. Listen to him. He's the one that can teach us and show us. Whenever I first became a Christian and uh, I really came into the teaching of, you know, kind of spiritual sons and spiritual daughters and kind of things, you know, back in the 90s, um, it was kind of new to me just coming in, you know, whatever, and and, you know, our pastor, Pastor Arthur, he's in heaven now, praise the Lord. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I was seeing him, you know, he has my, you know he's, he's my spiritual father, not having a father growing up. You know, I, I long for that, you know, that fathership. So I just began to, I began to, you know, cling to him and, and, and look to him and then, you know, want to listen to him and learn from him. And, and I remember one time that um, is really the enemy speaking into me and just saying things like, you know, if he really is a father, then he should be doing this. And he should be doing this. And he should be doing this. And the enemy was getting me to agree with all the things that I needed to make me feel like I was a son. And accepted. And appreciated. And whatever else. And I took it to the Lord. And, you know, because it began to bother me. Isn't it funny how the enemy just puts a seed in there? And then when he would begin to talk to me about being his spiritual son, it would irk me. I was like, well, yeah, well, if you're my spiritual son. And I didn't say anything to him. I respected my pastor. I said, if you're my spiritual dad, then you should be doing this, right? And I took it to the Lord, and I said, Lord, if he is, really is my spiritual father, then shouldn't he be doing this and this? And, this? and I began to call out all the things that I thought that a father should be doing. He said, don't you worry about him being a father. 
It's your responsibility to be a good son. I'll deal with him about being a father. Really, it's, it's, it's none of your business about him. And really, in dealing with him about being a father, God was going to deal with him about being a son. It's the main role. This is the other thing the Lord told me because, you know, as having children and not, not having a father growing up, I wanted, to, I wanted to, and my mom was always good about, you know, bringing spiritual people and, you know, men in my lives. Jerry Bagley was one of them and, and Lynn Whetstone, Jerry Bagley's in heaven right now. These, these vital men that were like father figures that would just speak into my life. And I just, some key things that I've learned in life were from them, prayer and worship. And to see a man pray, to see a man worship and not be ashamed, I learned that from them. They had such a passion to serve God. But as I was, became a father, I was like, God, how, teach me to be a good father. How can I be a good father? Because I don't really, you know, I, I never had on a day-to-day -day basis. That's what the Lord told me. If you want to be a good father, be a good son. Takes you back to that main role. You want to be a good mother? Be a good daughter. Be that first. It will affect every role that you play in life. Just being that son and being that daughter. So I want to give you five things real quick on how to be a good father or a good father, a good son or a good daughter. As Jesus is our example, and I'm going to take these out of the book of Proverbs. And kind of for the sake of time, I'll give you the, the references and you can write the scripture down and you can go there and then I'll give you the points. Proverbs 1, 8 says this, Hear my son, your father's instruction." Another word, you know, translation is going down and kind of looking at that in the Hebrew. Instruction also means teaching and words and wisdom and sayings. Hear, my son, your father's instructions, your father's teaching, your father's words, your father's wisdoms, your father's sayings. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. What you learn from them will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. Number one. A good son listens for instruction. A good son, Jesus was always listening for the Father. I can, he said, I can't do anything unless I hear the Father say it. I can't do anything unless I see the Father do it. Jesus was constantly listening for instruction. Amen. I remember Mark Twain had said this, I read this in the book. He said, when I was 17 years old, I couldn't believe how dumb my dad was. He said, but when I was 22, he was the wisest man I knew. I couldn't believe how much he learned in five years. You know, God puts, you know, father figures and he as the ultimate father, he knows how to lead us. We've got to be listening for instruction. Because there's things in what he's saying. There's things in what he's teaching. There's things in, in uh, his words and in his sayings. The second one is Proverbs chapter 3, verse number 11 and 12, and it says this, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. Number two, a good son delights in discipline. Discipline does not mean a beating. The word discipline has been misused. Uh, they would probably, I don't know what it says actually in the dictionary, but 
When people think discipline, they think of, you know, really a beating. A discipline, if you look it out in Scripture, a discipline is really a pat on the side or, or the tush, so to say. I mean, there is times whenever, you know, we could be disciplined. There's, there's, there's a, a chastisement in Scripture. There's a scourging in Scripture. But discipline is this, this really nudge or just tat on the, on the shoulder. No, it's not that way. It's this way. You're getting, you get, no, it's over here. No, not that way. You kind of a stop and a hold. No, you need to go this way. That's discipline. It's a correction, of course, to help us. A good son or daughter delights in discipline. That's one thing I thank the Lord for. I, I want to know because I, I, I know that I don't know. I don't know. And if I'm missing it, I, I want to be corrected. I delight to know, you know, but, and God shows us, but we also have that walk of faith. And, and as long as I have that heart, if you have that heart and the attitude of saying, I don't know, and I'm looking to you for instruction, I'm looking to you to help lead my way, you'll not go astray. If your heart is connected to the Father, He will not let you go astray when your heart is to do His will. But by faith, you still need to walk. And if you need a course direction, he'll give it to you. Our pastor used to say it this way. Uh, he said he had a Ph.D., a, a post-hole digger degree. He was a farm boy. He said, I got a Ph.D., I got a post-hole digger's degree. He said, this is how he said about being led, you know, by faith. He says, you can't steer a parked car. You got to be moving to make it steer better. God just needs to get us moving so that he can get us going that way he needs us to go amen if the, the the hardest thing to do is just start going we want everything before we go but if we just start going then he could lead us amen hallelujah next scripture proverbs 23 26 and 28 says give me your heart my son and let your eyes delight in my ways give me your heart my son and let your let your eyes delight in my ways. A good son knows there's life in connecting hearts with his father. There is life, there's wisdom, there is instruction, all these. There's a, there's, a, there's a fountain, a life source in connecting your heart to God the Father's heart. You can't go wrong. You know, uh, I, I heard this from John. I think he got it from someone from Bethel, but John Crone, he plays on the worship team here. And... Uh, uh, it says, you know, religion says, I messed up. I can't tell dad. But relationship says, I messed up. I need to talk to my dad. See, there's a difference. Uh, we're, we're keeping that heart connection with the Father that no matter what I do, I know that he delights in me, that I'm his son, you're his daughter, and he loves us. I can go to him. It's kind of like, we just recently watched the movie The Lion King, the new one. Anybody see the new Lion King? That's it? No, it's good. <laughs> it's pretty cool. I mean, the graphics are really, and they really kept true to the storyline of the last, the last one, but the graphics of it are just amazing. And it comes to the place where, where Simba had disobeyed his father. He went to the elephant graveyard. Come on, you with me? He went to the elephant graveyard, and he was kind of, he wasn't ready. He was kind of like the rich young ruler. You know, one day I'm going to be king. You know, I got some authority, but he's not there yet. And he went to the elephant graveyard, and he would have been eaten by hyenas if his dad didn't show up. And his dad roared, and he roared first. There's this little scratchy roar. Roar! 
roar, and, and they're laughing at him. <laughs> and then he did it one more time, and it was Mufasa coming behind him. Roar, and they all ran off. And he takes his son, and he begins to discipline him. He says, you deliberately disobeyed me. And, uh, and he, you know, thinking of him, I think he's going to give him the claw or something. No. <laughs> and he took him under, and he, and he began to tell him, he's like, listen, um, you know, just because you're going to be king one day doesn't mean there's things to learn along the way. And he just began to talk to him. And then he began to play with him again, letting him know, I love you. It wasn't just leaving him down and walking away. I love you. They began to play. And he's like, he's like you're pretty tough, Dad, right? He's like, I'm the toughest. <laughs> just fun stuff. But connecting our hearts with God the Father, that's an important thing. God's crying out, give me your heart. A good father can be trusted, and a good son will trust his father. Amen? Two more. Proverbs 10.1. It says this, A wise, other translations say, intelligent, skillful, learned, or prudent, son or daughter makes a father glad. Number four, a good son desires to please his father. A good son desires to please his father. You know, your, your heavenly father is never the enemy. Your heavenly father is never the enemy. I know there's times we don't understand his ways, but he never hides from us who he is. We may not understand everything that he's going to do in the exact in orders of things here. He, he reveals as he reveals, but he never hides who he is. Never hides who he is. He's not the enemy. Great delight comes from learning to do what pleases him. A good son desires to please the father. And the last one is in Proverbs 24, 21. My son, fear the Lord and the king and do not associate with those who are given to change. This, not, this is not saying that Change is not good, and, and uh, if you look at this, it doesn't mean, I mean, change is good, change is normal, change is, is a part of growth, but this is talking about don't be given to those who, um, you know, who are given to change, that there's no consistency in their life but inconsistency. They're always changing. They're this way one day, they're that way one other day. No, there's no consistency in their life other than their inconsistency. He's saying... Uh, uh, fear the Lord and the King and don't associate with those who are given the change. A good son is loyal to and consistent in the character of his father. A good son is loyal to and consistent in the character of his father. And I read this scripture this morning. I, I thought this was a great scripture um, in Psalms 2-7. Psalmist began to kind of prophesy this out about Jesus, and he says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. You know, when we display the character of God, it's like being rebirthed every day. We're birthing the Father's character. When we're pleasing Him, when we're honoring Him, when we're trusting in Him. Other translation says it this way, uh, Today I have become your father. Another one says, today it's your birthday. That's right, today it's your birthday. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know that story in the beginning? We talked about the, the bird who didn't know who it was or didn't know its mom and went around looking at all these different animals and even uh, abstract you know, things and machinery and 
It's not my mother. It finally decided to go back to the nest where it was, where it came out of the, out of the shell and wait. Isn't that funny? Sometimes we're right where we're supposed to be, and God's, we don't think God is around, but we just got to wait. And the mama came back, landed in, and the first thing she said to the baby was, do you know who I am? And the baby said, I know who you are. You're a bird, and you're my mom. God don't want us to walk through life wondering who we are. Knowing who you are really does make the difference. Amen? Would you stand up this morning?